Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. Is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Some of your translations say might say, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, and for some of you today, for some of us today, that's, that might be all you need to hear, is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because when you go throughout your week and you consider everything that has been happening, whether it's in the news or in the world around you or whether it's just within your own life, some of us just need to know that, hey, in the presence of God, as a Christ follower, his spirit dwells within me and with him there is freedom. That's a promise that we can cling to. That's a truth that we can hold on to. That's something powerful that we can all know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Because I, I, one of the things I'm supposed to do as a pastor, or I think I'm supposed to do as a pastor, I guess I kind of wrote my own job description in some ways. But anyways, one of the things that I like to do is I like to try to stay in touch with whatever is happening in the world. And so I do this by, I have these news alerts that I get on my phone from different news outlets. Kim can't stand it because I keep the sound on for those. So when they pop and they make this noise, she goes, would you just please put that on silent? I'm like, no, I like to know what's happening. So I, I have these noises that come through and, and I, I try to keep in touch with the news articles that I look at and read on my phone. Also, whenever I'm at the gym, the, you know, the wonderful Planet Fitness, because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to pay too much to go to the gym. But anyway, so I'm at Planet Fitness. I'll, I'll be on the elliptical and I'll try to choose whichever elliptical I can and see both news outlets at because it's really funny to see that you know two different news outlets can be reporting on the same story but have something completely different to say about each of them but both of them want you to think that the apocalypse is coming tomorrow both of them want you to think that impending doom is inevitable and it's just, and so uh, so I try to see what's happening on the news I also try to stay in touch with social media to see hey what are people posting how do people feel about what's going on in the world right now what is everybody thinking what's going on and, and what I began to notice is when I'm following the news or when I'm seeing what people are posting on social media, what I began to what, notice over and over again, and I, and I imagine you've probably noticed this as well, is that there's this prevailing narrative out there that you should 24-7 either be worried, worked up, or offended. One of the three. You should be worried. You should be worried. You should be panicked. Can you believe what they're doing? Can you believe what this, the Delta variant's coming? Can you believe it's coming? Oh, did you see what this politician did? Did you see what this celebrity did? Oh my gosh, I'm just so worried. I don't know. I don't know if I can live right now, but you know what? I'm still going to get up tomorrow and put my socks on just like I do every single day, but I'm just worried. I'm just worried or worked up. I cannot believe somebody would say that. I cannot believe they are, destroy, they are destroying this. And, and what I've noticed is why are we as Christians the one who are worked up all the time when we know who's the king of kings and lord of lords and who's in control? Why are we the ones walking around like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Like, settle down. Settle down. Why are we worked up? Or offended. Offended is the one that bothers me the most. Like, I saw this post on Facebook a number of months ago about like how Christians should be offended. I, that's just really, that's just bad theology. Because it's that if you follow Jesus, you died to yourself. So what are you offended about? <laughs> because you died to yourself. So there's this prevailing narrative, and we all get caught up in it. I know I was making fun of people, but I get caught up in it too sometimes. Sometimes I look at things, I get worried, I get worked up, we get offended. And we think that that's the story or the narrative that we have to submit to. But if the Spirit of the Lord really dwells with inside of us, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the Spirit of the Lord is guiding and directing our lives. I believe that he wants us to see that there's another option. 
that there is another option. In fact, it's a better option. You don't have to live worried, worked up, or offended, but there's another option. And that option is to choose to worship. That no matter what's happening around you, that no matter what's happening in the world or what's happening to you, that you can, yes, you can still mourn. Ecclesiastes talks about that. There's a season for mourning. Those things are okay, but we don't have to choose to be worked up, worried, or upset. But we can actually make the decision to worship. We can choose to worship. The late Dallas Willard described worship in this way. He said, it is the single and most powerful force in completing and sustaining restoration of our whole beings to God. Nothing can inform, guide, and sustain pervasive and radiant goodness in a person other than the true vision of God and the worship that spontaneously arises from it. When we choose to see a true vision of God and focus on him and who he is above all else through everything that could be happening around us, there's a restoration that comes. There's, there's a restoring to our soul that occurs. And because of that, when we choose to see God in every circumstance, we, ha- we can have a response of worship. We don't have to choose worried, worked up, or, ups- or offended. We can choose to worship. To further illustrate this, I want to take us to Acts chapter 16. If you're here saying, what's Acts? Well, Acts is a book in the New Testament of the Scriptures. Acts was written by a gentleman by the name of Luke, and the book of Acts covers the early church. So what happened is Jesus died, he came back from the dead, he ascended into heaven, he sent his followers the Holy Spirit, and then they're going in the power of the Spirit, and they're building this movement called the church that's changing the world. And the first part of the book of Acts follows Peter, James, John, a guy named Stephen, And then we meet a guy named Paul. And we've talked about Paul here before, but in case you don't know who Paul is, Paul, he hated Christians. He couldn't hate them. Have any of you hated Christians before? Any of you been frustrated with Christians before? You might get along with Paul. Paul hated Christians. He couldn't stand them. He was actually, he hated them so much. He hated them even more than you you ever have. He hated them so much that he was trying to kill them. He was attempting to kill Christians. And then one day he's on this road and he encounters Jesus and he gives his life to Christ, and he becomes the most influential voice in the early Christian movement, maybe even to this day the most influential voice in all of Christian history, other than Jesus, of course. And Paul wrote almost half of what we have today is the New Testament, and the back half of the book of Acts follows Paul's missionary journeys. And so we get to this spot in Acts chapter 16 where Paul receives a vision from God. He's with his boys, Silas and Luke, traveling. And this vision tells him to go to a place called Macedonia. And they they go to Macedonia. They end up in this district, Macedonia, in a city called Philippi. And when they're in Philippi, they meet this woman named Lydia. And they lead Lydia to the Lord. They lead her family to the Lord. They're all baptized, and she becomes a leader in the early church in Philippi. Things are going great. God told them to go to Philippi. Somebody's already come to know Christ. This is great. Well, then there are these guys, and they've hired this young girl who is possessed by a demon, and she's prophesying. And they say, hey, they say to this girl, hey, uh, you make us money with your prophecies. Go follow around Paul and Silas. Go follow them around. So she's following them around. She's somehow making them money through her prophecies. She's following Paul and Silas around, and she's saying, hey, these, here, these people are here in the name of the Most High God to declare salvation. And I love the way Luke records this story in Acts. He doesn't say Paul got mad. He doesn't say Paul just walked away and ignored the girl. Luke writes that Paul got annoyed. 
He was annoyed with this little girl who was following them around. And he looked at her and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out. And he cast the demon out of her, which is a good thing. This little girl's no longer demon possessed. That's a good thing, even though Paul was annoyed. So he cast the demon out of this girl. And then the two gentlemen who, had, who were making money from this girl, they were really upset. Like, we're not going to make money anymore. They say, you know what we're going to do? We are going to go report Paul and Silas. We're going to go report them. And so they go to report Paul and Silas. And then they're like, hey, these guys are preaching the gospel. It could be a threat. And they tell all the local officials. So Paul and Silas are then stripped of their clothes, beaten, and thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. And they end up in prison. But even when they're in prison... They don't choose to be worried, worked up, or offended. They could have been all those things. They've been worried. What's going to happen? We're in prison. They could have been worked up. I can't believe this would happen. We did a good thing. We cast a demon out of a girl. They could have been offended. God, why would you send us to a place like this? But they didn't choose any of those options. Instead, they chose to worship. And so in looking at this story, I want us to learn what it means for us to truly embrace how we can worship and how we don't have to choose the narratives that society is telling us we have to choose, but we can choose to worship. And the first thing we see from them is this, is that worship can happen anywhere. Worship can happen anywhere. Anywhere. Worship does not just have to happen on a Sunday morning when people gather together and sing songs. Now, we're going to talk about more of that type of worship in a few moments, but, but worship is something that can happen anywhere. If where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom, and the Spirit of the Lord dwells within those who follow Christ Jesus, then worship is something that can happen wherever people find themselves who are following Christ. You can worship in any place, anytime, anywhere. And that's what we see from Paul and Silas. Look at this in Acts 16, 25. It says, But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So they found themselves in prison, and they're still singing hymns. I don't know about you, but if, I had found, if God had come to me in a vision and told me to go somewhere, and then the place that I thought he told me to go to, I ended up in prison— I don't know if my first response would be to be sitting there with my buddies singing hymns and praises to God. You know, this story got me thinking even more. My, my friend Mike, just a couple months ago, he sent me this, this meme. And it, was, uh, it looks like it's a tomato and a cucumber standing next to one another. Maybe you've seen this before. And it looks like there's tiles behind them, like on a kitchen counter. And, it, and the meme said, some of you will never see a simple tomato and cucumber. Some of you know what I'm referencing right now. Mike, my buddy Mike said to me, he said, what do you see in this? I said, oh, Larry the cucumber and Bob the tomato. Some of you are saying, why do you have names for vegetables? Well, here's the thing. While some of you were sitting home watching Hey Arnold and Rugrats and all of those wonderful things, we were told, or some of us were told, that those things were demonic and we couldn't watch them. So instead, we watched a program called Veggie Tales, where vegetables were Bible characters and asparagus was David. He threw a rock at a pickle. It was weird. King David, when they did the whole Bathsheba thing, they didn't include Bathsheba. It was with rubber ducks. I'm trying to explain it. There was like this whole thing with like this, was he a potato? He was singing about eating a cheeseburger. It was a weird program, but I enjoyed it. Actually, I kind of got the best of both worlds. I got to watch SpongeBob and VeggieTales. I got to do both. Some of you only got to do one or the other. In fact, I actually thought this would be really funny. I thought about getting my nephews a bunch of VeggieTales stuffed animals and then throwing in a Pickle Rick stuffed animal. Wouldn't that be funny? And nobody thinks that. If you, don't, if you think that's sick, I'm sorry, but I think it'd be kind of funny because Pickle Rick looks like a demented Larry the Cucumber. But anyways, <laughs> so 
so what, here's what I took from that conversation and what it has to do with worship. I realized in that conversation with my buddy Mike that within Christianity, we have a subculture. And I constantly forget about this. We probably all forget about this, especially if you've been in church for quite some time. Some of you who are new to church, you hear us say stuff and you're like, I don't even know what that word means. I don't know what that phrase means, but people keep using it. It's why we did our series Church Chat, where we looked at different words that are used in church a lot and tried to get a better understanding of them. And, you know, in Christian subculture, we have Christian movies, we have Christian television, we have, we have Christian shirts, we have Christian songs, we have all of this stuff. And then one of the things that fits into that subculture of Christianity is this concept of worship. We talk about, oh, I'm going to go to a worship night, or I can't wait for the time of worship during service, or I'm looking forward to worship. And some of you are thinking, I don't know what that means. Some of you have been coming to church for quite some time and you've never really heard, what, is, what exactly is worship? I think it's just when we sing. I'm just going to go along with it because I don't want to be the only Christian in the room who doesn't know the answer because then I'm going to be judged and then I might get kicked out. You know, I, just, I, don't, I can't have that happen. These people are uptight, you know? Worship is so much more than just what we do on a Sunday mornings when we sing. Now, that is a part of it. And like I said, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But worship, worship can happen anywhere. Worship is a way of life. Worship is making the conscious decision to say, I could be focused on all of these other things, but instead I am going to choose to focus on God above all else. I'm going to choose to know God in this moment. I'm going to choose to see God in this, in this situation. I'm going to choose to see God in this circumstance. Yeah, things don't look great right now, but you know what? Here's what I know, that God is good, that he's in control, and I'm going to choose to worship him and see him. Maybe some of you, you got a report. You know, I didn't think I was going to get this report. It was a bad report. I didn't think this was coming. But you know what? In the midst of this, I'm not going to, I might be worried for a moment. I might be worked up for a moment. But you know what I'm going to decide to do instead? I'm going to choose to worship because I know who God is. I know he's the healer. I know he's the deliverer. I know he's the sustainer. I know he's in control of all things and he has an eternal divine plan. So in this moment, it may not be what I thought it was going to be, but I am going to choose to worship. I don't have to wait to Sunday to worship. I can worship wherever I I find myself because if the spirit of the Lord is with me, that's where the spirit of the Lord is. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. Come on. Some of you, you may have got a phone call. I didn't think I was going to get that phone call. A relationship may have broke off. You may have had a friendship that fell through and you're thinking, this stinks. This is horrible. I'm worried. I'm worked up. I'm offended. I can't believe what I'm seeing in the news every day. There's this thing and that thing and that thing. I'm worried. I'm worked up. I'm offended. You know what? God is sovereign. God is over it all. God is in control. You know what? You know, here's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to focus on the one who died and came back from the dead. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on the one who, who, who came back from the dead. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on him because you know what? He is in control of all things. He is the creator of all things. He is the sustainer of all things. And whatever is happening, I am going to choose to worship, to focus on him. Worship can happen anywhere. Secondly, your worship is a testimony. Your worship is a testimony. It, when, when we make the decision to worship him, we are actually telling a story and giving a testimony to those around us of who God is and what he has done. Look at this again in Acts 16, 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening to them. Now, Paul and Silas may have not been very good singers, to be honest with you. There's a time in the book of Acts when Paul gives a message 
and he puts a guy to sleep and the guy falls out of a window. So he probably wasn't the best public speaker in the world. Maybe you didn't know about that, but, but he, he's, he's singing. I don't know if he was a great singer, but it didn't say that the other prisoners were telling them to be quiet. It says that they were listening to them because when you choose to worship, it's a testimony. When you choose to focus on the one who is good, he won't just stay distant, but his goodness will begin to transform your heart and your mind. His love will begin to transform your heart and your mind. When the spirit of the Lord begins to speak into your life, the fruit of the spirit will begin to come out of your life. You will begin to see that whatever is happening around you, whatever is happening to you, it might be difficult and you might not always see where this is going, but there's still a love, a joy, a peace, a patience, a kindness, a goodness that you can experience and that you can walk in because you are choosing to worship and your worship is a testimony. When you make that decision to worship him, no matter what's happening, it's a testimony to those around you of who God is and what he's doing in your life. They say, I don't, I don't get this, but I found peace because I know the one who is peace and I'm worshiping him in the middle of this. Now let's talk about worship as music for just a moment because this is an important piece. What we do on Sunday mornings, what we do on Sunday mornings when we decide to worship is we are actually stepping into a discipline or a practice of worship. And so this is a time where we say, hey, we are going to worship God through song. A lot of us have questions of why do we do things the way that we do things? Well, first I want to take you to Psalm 150 verses 3 through 5 where the psalmist writes this. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. That word praise in the Hebrew, it's halal. It means to shout, to boast, to dance, to shine. Some translations, they, they actually, uh, some parts of halal, they actually could mean a madman or a fool. That's what it could mean. So why do we gather together and worship and sing? And you see some people raising their hands because when you're raising your hands, you're saying, I am surrendering all to you, God. You're putting yourself in a defenseless position to say, I am fully relying on him. I'm giving all I have for you, God. When we come to worship him and praise him, we are, we are doing so with shouting and dancing and singing. And we are giving everything we have for him because he has given everything for us. We give it all for him because he gave his very life for us. So we will praise him. Now, some of you ask questions like maybe, okay, all right, so I get that. That's why some people, you know, act the way they do in church. But why do you guys, you know, use lights and drums and all those things? And, and why is it loud and all that stuff? Because look at the psalmist. He said, hey, praise him with trumpet sound, with harp and lyre, with timbrel and dancing, with stringed instruments and pipe, with loud cymbals, with resounding cymbals. The psalmist used every resource available to him to praise God so what are we going to do in 2021? We are going to use every resource that has been given to us to praise our God with excellence because he has given everything for us, so we are going to give everything for him. We are going to give it all for him, and we're going to say, God, what have you given us? We're going to use it, and we're going to be loud. Were some of you here on Easter? We were loud on Easter. We were loud today too, but we get loud for God because God has given everything for us, and we are going to keep getting louder and louder and praising him because he's given everything for us. Now I get it. Some of you, you don't connect with God as much through worship. I understand it. Some of you, I, you know, I connect with God through the message or whatever. I understand that. But I do want to speak to 
making sure that you're not coming into worship, especially if you identify as a believer with a judgmental heart. If, if, it's, if it's something where you don't connect with God as much in that way, I get that. But this was me for so long. I had a judgmental heart during worship. I would come into church. All I wanted to do was listen to the message. And maybe some of this has to do with the fact that I just can't sing. I can't play any instruments. I'm, I, I have no musical abilities at all. So maybe that was why. But, but I would come into church and I would, just, I would stand like this the entire time. Start looking at people. What are they doing? That's just, just really weird right now. And I get it. I get it. Sometimes some weird things do happen in a church service. Just go to YouTube if you don't believe me. You can look it up. And some of us, the reason we don't do much in worship is because listening to the words for you is how you connect with God. I get it. But some of us, you might be in the spot where I was at, where I was looking around I was standing there with my hands folded and I would think, man, I hope I don't run into that person after service. Oh my goodness. Okay, that person's a little off their rocker right now. I'm going to make sure to avoid them and sit somewhere else next week. Oh, they're just adults. They are just here to distract other people. This is ridiculous. They are putting on a show. I can't believe this. Do they realize? And I would, I would really be thinking these things. And then, and then there was a while in my life too, I honestly, I thought it was a big, I just thought it was a joke. I really thought it was a joke. When I was about nine years old, we were at church with my, I was at children's church. I didn't go to children's church all that often. My parents would usually have me stay in church with them. But in this one occasion, I went to children's church and I got up in the, in the middle of the worship service and I, and I ran around the chairs and was kind of hollering in a weird way. And I had my arms out and I was, and, and then somebody grabbed me. This was back when you could like grab other people's kids by the arm. Um, and so this, this, this leader grabbed me and said, what do you think you're doing? I said, I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. They said, no, you haven't. Sit down. I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just to give you some context, the reason I did that is because I just watched an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway, where Robin Williams was a guest on the show, and he did this thing with Wayne Brady where they pretended to be Pentecostal singers, and I thought, oh, this looks like fun. I'll try this in church sometime. <laughs> they didn't find it very funny. Uh, but a couple years ago, I had to learn what it meant to truly worship, to truly give him praise, and to learn that this time of music was not just a time of experiencing God, but it was giving God all of our praise and all of our worship, and in that, you will experience him. We give everything we have for him because he has given everything for us, and so we choose to worship him that way in song. We choose to raise our hands. We choose to shout. We choose to dance, and so I just want to let you know if you've been coming to New Story Church, if you've been wondering, can I raise my hands? Can I do this? Can I do that? Yes. Yes, you can, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and I want to invite you to raise your hands. I want to invite you to make some noise for him. I want to invite you to praise him and use everything you've been given to praise him, just as he has given everything for us. Amen. Your worship is a testimony. Your worship is a testimony. And my desire is that when people, when, when, when other people see us living a life where we're worshiping him, that they will see him at work in our lives. But when also others see us passionately worshiping him, it'll be a testimony of, I want to get to know the God that they know because they're giving everything that they have for him. What's so special about him? So we give everything we have in worship. Next, worship brings deliverance. Worship will bring deliverance. 
Later on in Acts chapter 16, the story goes on. An earthquake comes. Paul and Silas, their chains are let loose. The doors swing open. Once again, if this was me in this story, I would have said, God, thank you for sending the earthquake. I'm getting out of here. But they don't leave. They stay in the prison. They keep sitting there. These guys, have they lost their minds? What's going on? And they stay in the prison. And then the guy who was guarding them, the jailer, he knew that he would have been responsible for any prisoners escaping. And so he just assumed that they escaped, that they had left. And, and he knew that if he was held responsible, he could maybe face severe punishment or lose his life. So he takes his sword and he's about to take his own life. And in that moment, Paul and Silas yell out to him, like, hey, we haven't left. We stayed. Look at this. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately he was baptized, he and all his household. Paul and Silas may have been in prison, but they never viewed themselves as trapped. They never thought they were trapped. To them, this was just another stop on the mission. To them, this was just another part of God's plan. See, when, when you decide to worship him, no matter the circumstance, you may not be in a space where you are physically delivered, but you will know that you have been delivered because you know the one who is the deliverer. And they saw that. They knew that. And because of that, the jailer, then when he called out, he then was so impressed by the the fact that they saved by their integrity that a man who was about to go to death, take his own life, he had come to the end of himself. He then experienced deliverance. And I fully believe that one of the reasons he was so compelled to say yes to the message of Jesus was because the words that Paul and Silas were singing, they aligned with their actions. They were probably singing psalms about how God is in control, about how he is the God over all things. And then he saw from their lives that they truly believed he was in control by choosing to stay and share with them the message, share with him the message that they were just singing about. When we decide to live in the reality of worship and worship him and praise him above all else and see him above and beyond and outside of the present circumstances we are in, what we will find is that as our worship functions as a testimony, it will also begin to work as deliverance, not just for us, but it will bring a message of deliverance to whoever God has placed in your life. And a jailer who is about to experience death has now experienced deliverance all because it started with worship. Their focus wasn't on we're in prison, let's get out. Their focus was we've been set free in Christ no matter where we end up and our focus is on him and we are worshiping him whether we're in prison or out of prison and because of that, we still need to bring this message of deliverance to this man who's about to end his life. Worship brings deliverance. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So we are going to see that we can worship anywhere. We can, our worship will be a testimony and our worship will bring deliverance. Now, I have a few minutes left and my messages are typically only three points. But I do have an extra one today if anyone wants to hear it. Anybody? Anybody? I can keep talking. Some of you are like, I've had enough of this guy. If you're watching on YouTube, I guess you could stop the video if you've had enough of me. But I would ask that you please stay on. So here's the fourth point. Worship, if you want it, worship elevates your perspective. Worship elevates your perspective. And we've kind of been getting at this through the entire message, but it's just something that we need to say straight out. That worship takes you from seeing things that are temporary and brings you into the space of the eternal. Now, we have to journey away from Acts 16 for this. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. And in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, fasting, praying. Sun's got to be hot. I mean, I would be done after day one, but Jesus out there for 40 days. And he's tempted by the enemy, by Satan, three times. And the third temptation has to do with worship. Look at this in Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Here's what we see from Jesus. The enemy came to him and said, look at all these kingdoms. Look at this. He said, all the kingdoms of the world, mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. This is kind of like a scene in Lion King. Everything the light touches, you know? So Satan does to Jesus, but Mufasa's a good guy. Anyways, so Satan says, look at all these kingdoms. I can give this all to you. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm not falling for that. And worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When you choose to worship, you're saying, I'm not only going to live within the realm of the things that I can see. I'm going to live in the space of the unseen. And what Jesus does in this moment is instead of just bowing to rule over kingdoms that he can see, he moves forward to pursue his call to become the resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who isn't just ruling over that, which he saw in that moment, but he is the King over all creation. He is the King over all things. And what the enemy wants to convince you of is that what God has in store for you is holding you back. And you should be worried, worked up, or offended because you know what? You're being held back from all of these things you can see and maybe you should do something about it. But when you choose to worship above and beyond those things, you know what you're saying? No, no, no. God's not holding me back. God is actually propelling me forward into the future that he has for me. 
and it may not be easy to get through. I may not understand it all, but I'm going to choose to worship him. I am not going to live in what I can see. I'm going to live in the space of the unseen, the space of the kingdom of God, the space of bringing God's kingdom to earth as it is in heaven. I am going to choose to live in that space. I am not going to bow down for that which is eternal, but we as a church are going to stand together. We're not going to live for that which is temporary, excuse me, but we as a church are going to stand together and live for that which is eternal. That's what we're going to do. That's what Jesus did in that moment. And when you choose to worship, you're saying, I'm no longer focusing on the temporary. I am going to focus on the eternal. I am going to see God as working in this and above this. And in spite of this, he is always moving and working. And so what we're going to do is this. We are going to live in the freedom that the Spirit of the Lord has given us. And we are going to choose to worship, worship, worship. I'm not, I'm going to run from worry. I'm not going to get worked up. It's going to, it's going to get in there for a moment, but no, 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 no. Giving it to you, God. I'm going to worship you. I'm not going to live in being offended. I'm going to worship you. And your worship will become a testimony of deliverance. Imagine what would happen if we began to write a new story that, the name of our church, we began to write a new story where we lived in an elevated perspective and we chose together to continue to live for that which is eternal, to live in the unseen and to worship him in every circumstance. If